Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Shad. I'm back. I'm back. You're back! <laughs> yes. I'm back for vacation. Uh, got a little bit of heat from our friend Tim, because uh, <laughs> I was in Los Angeles and I went to, to Disney for a couple days. Yeah, um, I bit. make no no comment uh, for or against <laughs> Disney and their uh, availed political leanings doesn't matter to me all i know is like the the theme parks are fun so the theme parks sound miserable to me just from the amount of people that are there oh you have to go into that knowing it's going to be just like an absolute ton of people there um and there was uh, even though we went like tuesday wednesday went like during the week so it wasn't probably as bad as it could be although there was still a ton of people because it was spring break so uh, there was a lot of people but i again the theme parks are a lot of fun you just have to be prepared to potentially be waiting in line to ride the rides for like quite a bit i think I have well, Disney was my um, favorite um family one of my favorite family guy moments where they like get him out of the cryogenic thing and he's like are the jews still around like yes put me back <laughs> i have a friend who's a pastor he had a uh and he had a professor at seminary and one day someone asked him they said so what is and they're having this big theological discussion. They say, so so what is hell like then in that case? And he sits there. He goes, hell is like Disneyland. It's hot. You stand in hours-long ri- hours lines for two-minute rides, and all the drinks cost too much. <laughs> oh, I paid. I paid for meals. Yeah, I, <laughs> I bet. paid a lot for meals. What did uh, they do that pissed did. everyone off? They did something really money-grubby to like their their regulars recently oh i can tell you one thing that they did because it definitely like affected me um they uh they used to have fast pass what's called fast pass that's for those who don't know who have never gone to like the parks fast pass is basically a way it was free i think you may have needed like the disney app which is like free to download it's easy to get uh, it's easy to set up like an account with them, but I think it used to be that you just go on like the Disney app. You could pull up like with the fast, the quote the fast pass for a particular ride that you want. It wasn't a fast pass for every ride, but for most of the popular rides, like Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean, they would have the fast pass, and you basically go and it's like, okay, I see on the app that fast pass is open. Let me go claim it. You you know you click how many people are going to be riding the ride with you. You click it, and then like, okay, you got it. You got your fast pass. And then you can go ride the ride, and then you go look, you can get another one. And it was free to get the fast passes. You may have to like wait a little bit between fast passes, um, but that wasn't that difficult because it's like you do you you get it, 
you like go wait in the fast fast line uh like line you do the ride by the time like that's all over and done with which is much more abbreviated than just waiting in the general admission line then you probably it's probably time to get the new fast pass for whatever other ride and if you do it that way you time it out correctly like you can get like you know quite a few rides in during the day uh they did away with that and now they have what's called disney genie uh which basically you know, genie after you know disney's aladdin you pay like 20 bucks a day per person who's going to be using it and you apparently get to do only use the genie for one for like once per ride like whereas fast pass you could get like if you want to do like you know pirates of the caribbean like 10 times that day you could just keep trying mm-hmm. to get the fast pass a genie you can only do it like once per ride and you have to do it apparently at like specific times like if you're there at like 8 a.m. when they open, you're like, oh, I want to do Disney Genie. I bought Disney Genie. I want to do Pirates of the Caribbean. You can sign up, like go up, sign up for it, and they're gonna be like, great, you can do it at 2 p.m. And it's like, that's it. <laughs> and I I think it's even something where it's like you can't get another one until you use the one that you claimed. It's bad. Like our <laughs> my my sister-in-law and and uh, her husband were like, don't get it. It's like a waste of money. So it's, they, wow. So it sounds like they intentionally set it up that you can't really use it, and then it's just... It's To me, it's specifically done so they can just be money-grubbing. They want $20 a day from you for a system that it used to be free, and this works worse than, did, than the free one. Yeah, I, my, I had some friends who went to Disney World, and from what they were telling me, that with your ticket, you got X number of Fast Pass rides. And so you would go by the ride, scan it or whatever, and mm-hmm. then you get a message. Okay, at this time, your fast pass will be ready to go. And okay, there you go. So when you get there, basically, you don't have to stand in line to stand in line. But you had, I don't know, like four of them for the day or something like that. And now it just sounds like it's like, hey, we're just going to make everything markedly worse. It's like, oh, thanks for spending that $120 for your family. Guess what? You can use this Wednesday. Oh, sorry, it's Tuesday. Like, our yeah. bad. We're not refunding it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, would suge- I would suggest for anyone who's going with small children to get, like, more than one day. Um, yeah. But we did we did the park hopper for two days, mm-hmm. which I felt was like if I could go back, I would not do park hopper. I would just do one park a day because the way the park hopper works is that you can, you can switch to the other park, but it's like after 1 PM, you have to start in one park and then at 1 PM you can switch to the other one. You can switch back and forth. But uh, with a small child, like there's not a bunch of rides that she could have done. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really feel like it was worth it to get park hopper. Like by the time we would actually the first time, first but we went to like the second park. It was like late. It's like, well, why did I spend all this money to go on like like one ride? So, <clears throat> but if you time it, if you do it right, you time it right, it, you can you can actually do a lot at Disney. We I've only been to Disneyland. I Disney World is like a bucket list thing, but I've heard that you need like multiple days there because there's just like a ton of stuff. It's it's yeah. my aunt family that did it a couple years ago, and they were telling me about their trip, and I was just like, no. Never. Too many people. Too many people, but like, it's like you're putting in like 12 hour days just to do what you want to do. It's hot oh. as hell. Like everything is overpriced. Oh yeah, no, it's it's everything's everything's pricey. Uh, everything's very pricey. You have to know that going in. 
and you are putting in many days. Like cause it, the the actual ticket itself, because again we did park hopper for two people. She was under three, so she was free. But uh, if you do Disney, because the cost of the ticket is like so expensive, even just like a regular ticket, not park hopper, like you choose the park you want to go on, and that's the only park you do that particular day. Uh, it's still expensive. You're talking about like over a hundred bucks. So it's almost like, well, you have to basically be there all day long to try and ride as much as you can. So yeah, we got there eight, eight thirty every day and we had to take her like and you know, put her to bed. So we, we would leave, but, uh, we were still leaving every day at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I've, the, the times I've gone to Disney before, it's like, get there at eight. Uh, you're leaving at 12 midnight when everything's shutting down. Like that's the only way to make kind of make it like financially like successful, but you are walking a lot. Like I got 20,000 steps like both days. It was a lot of walking. (laughs) All right. Well, that big prelude aside, let's get our shout outs taken care of. Uh, First one's going to go to collar and elbow, the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com. Use the promo code Four corners podcast. That's the number four capital C and corners, capital P and podcast to save 10% 10% off <clears throat> order. Our other shout-out means I hand the ball to Matt. Uh, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Um, Orlando Cologne, you know, Shad, I heard her that Orlando Cologne holds the world record in Galaga. In Galaga? <laughs> in old-school Galaga. Well, Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. Brad, what are we talking about? So we've been doing the Mount Rushmore concept, I think, since December. So this week we are, um, we are applying that to video games. Now... We're all going to be doing our Mount Rushmore for video game stuff, but the problem is there have been a lot of games that each of us have really enjoyed, and so we've kind of had to uh, apply our own criteria on how we're going to approach this. Yeah, and Uh, I don't think we we did it the exact same way. So for me, um, these are not actually going to be my, like, if this is, like, my top seven or eight games of all time, this is not it. What I ended up doing was I picked genres I really enjoy and picking what I felt was the pinnacle game of that genre. Yeah, what I ended up having to do is to do something similar. I had to make a genre, and then I also had to decide that since we have talked about wrestling games in the past, I have to take that genre and set it aside because we've talked about that a bunch. Uh, we've gone down that road a number of times, and so, and even in that case, there wouldn't be one that I would name. There would be a, like a specific lineage that I would name on it. But I have had to go. Okay, I've got to break this up by genre, and in some cases, I actually actively passed on what my original choice would have been to have another choice, so that we could talk about you know more than just like one or two things on that front, you know, so we can mix up the discussion a little bit. And, and I left out, I left one off my list that I'm pretty sure is on Shad's list. So, okay. And then, uh, Matt, did you have a special criteria you went with too? I thought about it. Uh, um, I think I base there's, I was initially, I was like, well, what games am I going to actually include? And, I mean, you can try to make it just like objectively, like, oh, what are the best games out there? But then I kind of said, like, nah, I'm just gonna go with like the games that I actually really like uh, have played and adore and love. But mm-hmm. then I was thinking, like, well, there's like literally like dozens of games that I could probably put on that list. So 
my Mount Rushmore isn't necessarily like hard and fast. Like these are the best games of all time. Yeah. But I did try to narrow things down a little bit. This is very much my own personal Mount Rushmore. But I decided to kind of go like with your idea of just doing basically genres. So I limited it to four genres. Yeah. Um, styles of games essentially, and then I just chose like four games from that, and they're they're kind of different. One of them is actually like uh, I would say like unique. It's more like a, a style of genre that not necessarily I, I think the rest of you are gonna pick, but it's. Uh, I'm happy with what I chose. I'm going to give like a bunch of honorable mentions. If that's oh, okay. I'm saying, yeah. Same. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I think that for our genres, I think all three of us have an RPG slot on our genres. Is that correct? Well, I have two. Uh, I I differentiated from like um, JRPGs and computer RPGs, which would also be Western style okay. RPGs. Well, they're not the same. Um, so we'll kind of start on the RPG front. Um, and well, I mean, Brad, pick whichever one you want to start with. Well, I'm just gonna uh, do what is my favorite game of all time, and I think which will probably, I think, would be a consensus probably that everyone that's ever played it on this show's list. But I'm gonna take Chrono Trigger, which would be my first Mount Rushmore game. God, mm. Chrono Trigger's a really good game. So That's you, a solid pick. If you haven't played it, so it has a lot of modern quality of life to it. So they don't have random encounters. The encounters are hard tied to the map. Um, it incorporates time travel in a really nice way. Um, has a very limited cast. So I think there's like eight characters maybe. Mm-hmm. But it, it really... Yeah, I want to I wanna jump real quick, Brad, and add to you. It is in fiction one of the best uses of time travel i've seen yeah because you really get to see like um there's little things you can do throughout the game that um that affect it heavily like there's one scene where you can like save like luca's mom from like going into this machine and having her legs crippled um there's and little things like that um you can every character has a really fleshed out backstory like you get a really get to know everyone mm-hmm. um, throughout the game in flashbacks or, you know, by traveling around. So it's really good. I mean, it's really memorable characters. There's multiple endings that when you do, and it's, I think the first game to ever use a new game plus option. I think it invented that mm. idea. Mm. So um, that's honestly so nice. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a cool game. Like uh, the graphics hold up really well. I think there's a lot of memorable boss fights. I love the um, the combo system in it. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things in that game is that different people using their magical abilities together to create special attacks. And like, like I love that. And like you can even the bad guy even joins you halfway through the game if you let uh, him. Yeah, and he's a fun character too. Um the it it the biggest strike that I could come up with against Chrono Trigger um, is that they didn't put enough characters in for the names for Chrono's full name to be an option. Uh, yes, <laughs> there's no H in Chrono, <laughs> but the fact that that's the biggest complaint I can come up with says a lot. Like it it's it's really really good and it's really worth 
you know what? Just get it on Virtual Console. That way, you don't have to deal with the the rarity of finding a copy of it. Well, if you have a if you have a 3DS, the um the DS version is like the quintessential has extra stuff. That's a really good version yeah. of it. Not to brag, but I do have an SNES cartridge of it. It's about 200 bucks, I think, these days. Yeah, I think so. It's just the cartridge, though. It's not all the other stuff. Not even just the cartridges. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, Matt, do you have a, a top RPG you want to put out there? Uh, I do. Um, so we're doing our tops, and then later on we'll go to the honorable mentions? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's literally, like... I love RPGs. Um, I get what Brad is saying about Western RPGs. That's more like, I, I would argue that's more of like a, well, I mean, I guess you can probably trace them back to like the the NE, the original NES, but I feel like it's, in with more recent generations of video games, I feel like the, the Western RPG, or even like the quote-unquote action RPG has become more of a, a thing. Um, but I love like old school uh, turn-based RPGs, which are more like... Brad, would you consider that more like the Japanese RPGs? Uh, no, I mean, like, old computer <laughs> RPGs were very turn-based, too. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the Might and Magic's Wizardry, I think Ultima... The, well, no, <laughs> early Ultima. Ultima ended up being more of an action-based <laughs> game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Ones. But, yeah, I mean, it can go either way in computer RPGs, and it still does now, because you're... Your first-person dungeon crawler tends to be more mm. um, of a turn-based style. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, the one I will go with, uh, it, people may not pick this because it is essentially a series and many people love uh, other uh, games within the series. But to me, like I am choosing the original Final Fantasy Ooh. That originally came out. I mean, I think it was like a. It was probably was a port. It probably came out like 90. for the Jap- Japanese systems originally. Like, uh, but the original Final Final Fantasy game, the one that kind of set off the whole series, that is now like many, many, many iterations into it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my I, first RPG, actually. Yeah, it's such a well done game. Um, it is a game that I feel like you can play over and over again. And in fact, I love this game so much and I, I find it so uh, appealing and fascinating that I own this game uh, on multiple, multiple different versions of this game and multiple different systems. Yeah. And by too. that, by that, I mean, they did, uh, I think they did a compilation for like the, the game boy, like the original game boy. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the same thing on, <clears throat> It, they, remember they did, the Game Boy Advance. They did most of the games. Well, they did. Um, they did Final Fantasy Origins, uh, which it, oh well, actually wait. They did Final Fantasy One and Two: Dawn of Souls, yeah. and that was basically a remake of the the first couple games for the, the Game Boy Advance. Uh, but then I've also they put a version of this out for the PlayStation Portable, which I I owned. Um, I actually own like one and two for the the PSP. And in preparation for this uh, show, it actually got me trying to dig out my PSP, and I found my battery like exploded. Oh, <laughs> so I'm gonna 
<clears throat> I can buy I can buy a new one from Amazon pretty cheap, so that's yeah. not a big deal. But I they just I released like it for Steam on Steam last mm. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I also own it for, for the uh, the NES Classic Edition that uh, Nintendo put out a few years back. Like I, it's on that with all the other games that they released on that system. I just love this. Like I have multiple versions of it for different systems. Um, I saw my NES cart. Yeah, I. I don't have that because I pretty much – I have my NES. I pretty much have no carts for it anymore. I got um, it for like 10 bucks at Toys R Us because like it was my first RPG ever. So like the concept of an RPG when I was exposed to it at like 12 or 13 like just blew my my mind to like the concept. And like I've been obsessed with them ever since I played Final Fantasy. Oh, uh, when, when I first played it, I had no idea about the concept or what I needed to do. So I got like – killed like the first boss not boss fight it was like the first fights basically because yeah. i didn't understand initially it's like well, what do i need to do but then once i figured it out once i realized the uh even though it could be laborious the uh how if you grind and level up the stronger you are mm-hmm. like i really just from there like i it kind of caused a lifelong um fascination and appreciation for for turn-based games um and then some of my honorable mentions i'll talk about other turn-based games that I actually like, uh, role-playing games that I love. But I that's think, my choice. I think the the PlayStation <laughs> version, the Final Fantasy One and Two Origin, is the quintessential version of it because it mm-hmm. retains the difficulty, but they fixed all the spells mm-hmm. and added quality of life in. Because that's the thing you need to know if you if you play the original NES one, it has a lot of problems. Yeah, you have to buy your your items like individually which is a real pain um most of the spells don't work unless they deal direct damage mm-hmm. so yeah. like your buffs and debuffs don't work and then mm-hmm. um there are a couple other little odd quirks it had that i don't oh if um if like you aim at an enemy and someone kills it you just try to hit nothing yeah the um I, I have the NES cartridge, but I had just never gotten around to playing that because I, I didn't pick it up until <clears throat> later on in life. Uh, I have the Steam version. It's on my list to play. Like the, There's some RPGs I have on my Steam to play that I haven't gotten into yet. Steam version monkeyed with uh, the challenge a little bit and made it easier, which I don't like. But well, <clears throat> It's just you know getting to play it, so I haven't gotten to play it yet. And it also does, uh, like, so where the replayability from that comes in, though, is you get to pick your party, so you can always, like, experiment with party compositions. And um, it's that makes it more interesting, I think. Yeah, I, I like I like being able to pick your party out, which is another thing Chrono Trigger did very well. So, all right. First Final Fantasy. Going with that... Uh, Maybe not the progenitor, but the trope, trope codifier, so to speak. For the RPG front, for me, well, I knew that uh, Brad was going to be picking Chrono Trigger. And um, I've played two of the Final Fantasies, and they were they were good, but uh, I wanted something other than Chrono Trigger for us to talk about, and I wanted... Um, I wasn't going to... The Final Fantasy I was thinking about picking. Once I got to thinking about it, I said, "You know what? This is this is something I just flat enjoyed more." So my RPG pick is the Super NES 
Super Mario RPG. Ah. So, you know, there are I characters like... in that game that I wish they would get the rights to and put in Smash Brothers. I would play as Malo and Geno in Smash Brothers in a heartbeat, but it's, God. It frustrates me that we've never gotten a proper sequel. Um, the Paper Marios are nice in their own ways. Thousand um, Year Door is like a, a very awesome game, but like I've always wanted like a a pure sequel yeah. to this, and they've never done it. It's nice because um, you don't have to do backstory for Mario, you know, because it's it's just straight Mario. But they put a twist on the whole thing because the Star Road is broken. These things come down from somewhere else. They break the Star Road. Bowser gets kicked out of his castle. And so, you know, you're compiling this team and uh, Mario... Bowser and Peach are the only ones that you have that are going to be, uh, you know, that you already know that join your party. But there are two other new characters you can have join. And you you have lots of fun interplay you can do with them and that sort of stuff. And oddly enough, for a Mario RPG, there's, there's actually fun character background to... Uh, uh, to dig into and have fun and it is it is really good it's fun it has one of my favorite pieces of rpg music in it in boosters tower the different zones all have very different feels and challenges um it's just really good it has a it has um a, a, a like easter egg cameo from link in it it does and it has a um a final fantasy Boss. style boss fight in it yeah which, which is, is he, he's the hardest fight in the game so um you know it it is a it is a very fun game uh, and it has i axum rangers which was my favorite boss fight in the yeah axum rangers were fun um the final boss is a good challenge because evil santa he, <laughs> well he he just keeps he mixes it up his his uh his fight mechanic is variable so it's not always the same, and that's good. Uh, you know, finding out backstory, um, learning where Geno comes from. Uh, it, it's it's all fleshing out the the Super Mario world. It's all very fun fighting an animated or a um, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking? I guess just an animated cake ends up being fun you know boosters tower like i said has great music in it it's just i think it's a really fantastic game they do some fun they, i mean the silent protagonist idea was newer at the time but they had some fun like playing with that with mario right mario's silent but he that doesn't mean he's not responsive no he's um because he usually like he kind of does the scooby-doo thing which is hilarious yeah well he'll nod and he'll he'll react to people saying things he just doesn't talk so um it 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 is fun it's a good game it's also got some fun tongue-in-cheek humor it's it is it is absolutely worth your time so there you go that's my the my rpg entry so what uh, what kind of genre do we want to hit on next, guys? What do you think? Uh, we have let's see. Let's, in common to, 
big one. Let's um, let's go with. Let's see what do I want to do. Let's do uh, let's do something that's kind of a dead genre now, that, but that I loved as a teenager. So, um, this is actually a this was actually a hard choice for me because there's a lot of good choices in the real time strategy um, arena because you have okay. your Warcraft three, you have Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, Red Alert, but yeah. um. And I, I love all those games in their, own, in their own ways, but this one was kind of a bit above the rest of the crowd, and it's why I picked it, but uh, StarCraft. Hmm. StarCraft had some longevity <clears throat> to it. Well, you know what I really love about the game is, like, the fact that you can move your base stuff, so when you start getting a foothold, just dropping a barracks, like, right in the middle, like, right on the side of someone's base. Well, yeah, I mean, you can do that as the Terrans. Yeah. But uh, it, it had a lot of new mechanics for RTS stuff when it came out. And like the Zerg, just like Zerg rushing people and stuff, like, you know, just having, being able to really produce a lot of, of volume, but like they're going to get murked pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. They were nice enough that you didn't like the Zerg, so you didn't feel bad when <laughs> they got nuked. Yeah, and it, it actually told a pretty competent story, like with a lot of like Kerrigan's a very... Um, memorable character, but you know, in true Blizzard fashion, they did screw it all up with the sequel. <laughs> um, the the biggest thing that always struck me about StarCraft is uh, StarCraft was ended up really kind of being the original esport, but it lasted so long with a big active player base, especially in Korea. Like that game just kept going. And meanwhile, when I would play it, I'd be like, I'm going to make a bunch of Marines. <laughs> that, that was that was um, about the extent of my my strategy on it is uh, I was not terribly in depth. I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think I think Red Alert would probably be my second favorite RTS of all time. Matt, what about you? What do you think? <laughs> uh, about StarCraft uh, specifically? Yeah. I never played it oh i understand okay. what i understand the game like i understand like because i've seen people play it mm-hmm. but i i guess i should just be honest and say like i know you guys are going to talk about some of them but i have never been a computer guy in terms mm-hmm. of games i have strictly just been console gaming mm-hmm. so i can't say like i have really strong opinions or even sometimes any opinion about nope. uh computer gaming only because I've, I have not done it. And some people swear by, like, sw- they swear by, like, computers. You know, people will give passionate responses about how, like, they prefer computer console gaming is because to me it was, like, easier. Like, I never had to worry about, uh, oh, is my graphics card good enough <laughs> for this game? <laughs> it was more just All like, right. do I have the system? Oh, I do? Okay, let me go buy the game for it and just yeah. Yeah, plop it in. See, uh, until, but that's fair. Until, I, like, the mm-hmm. last decade, um, you had to, like, PC did certain genres better and console did certain genres better, but that's all kind of melded into mm-hmm. the same place now. Because it used to be, like... Back in the day, you didn't want to play platformers on PC. Like, that was just not going to happen. And you didn't Mm. want to play, like, an RTS or an action RPG on console, but they figured a lot of that out. So, you know, 
you can really play whatever you want on either platform because they both handle it really well now. It, console was really good for kind of standardizing your expectations in it. So whereas PC, the progression, I guess, was more granular. Like you said, you know, can I run this? Um, and there was something really more floaty about um, PC controls. So like you didn't want to play platformers on it for a long time, even if you had a controller. And that's kind of yeah. gotten better. Yeah, yeah. The you at the very least your controller drivers are better than they used to be. Um, <laughs> my pick for strategy is actually not RTS strategy, but and it's not even the latest one in this series. Um, it's the last one before the series had a big shift. And whenever I say this, I if you want the expansions, great. If you don't want the expansions, great. If you want some of them, not others, doesn't matter. Because it doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, my the the top of the line for me for strategy games goes to Sid Meier's Civilization Four, um, because for me that is that's just my favorite strategy game. I get a little bit of um, you know the military stuff. I get some high level. Uh, gonna mess with you know the economics of operating my nation. Truth be told, I'm not even really all that good at it even at this point, but I still like it. I still have a lot of fun. And Civ IV's um, theme music is one of my all-time favorite pieces of music, uh, Baba Yetu by Christopher Tin. So, they've. Been, uh, I feel like the series has slowly declined since then because they've been trying to make it more accessible, and I air-quoted that. And in doing so, they've dumbed it down, and I don't like the direction they've taken in it, but I hate that idea that they tried to make it more accessible because Civ was like more than accessible enough as it was. I bought Civ five on launch day at a time when it really would have benefited me not to do that. And I played it for about a week and have not gone back to it. You have to get like, you have to get all the DLC for them to even be like playable now. I'm I'm not I am not happy. I was not happy with how Civ Five turned out, and I was actually very upset that I had bought it. But I, I had played it too much. Five, if I remember I had, correctly. I had played it too much to return it. Um, so. But I don't like that they dumbed it down to make it more accessible. Like I feel like Civ's always been super accessible. Like you might suck at it, but you can learn it, and you can you don't have to. You've never had to interact with all of the mechanics. Uh, yeah, you don't have to. But oh, and Civ also has the wonderful Easter egg mechanic in that Gandhi will nuke the hell out of you. Yeah, Gandhi's a prick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it it. Uh, I can't remember if it was Civ one or two, but it was a. <laughs> kind of a bug in the way that the diplomacy system worked because Gandhi was so passive but if you made him more passive it would actually, I don't know how this worked, but it would loop him back around to the aggressive well, what, he, I, what I hate about so much what I hate about it though is when you're just being nice to some other country because like you're rolling around with tanks and they're still have chariots and and like people with bows and arrows and they're like trying to bully you around and you're kind of just being nice. And then you're just like, fine, like let's do this. And then you roll over them in like three turns because your technology was just way better. And that's when you make a new vassal state. 
Yep. Because I because I usually end up with gunpowder in the BCs, and that gets really interesting when you um, <laughs> are way ahead of the curve like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember right. there was one game we got I got into some war, and they just had like standard wooden ships, and I was going around with like iron sides. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that naval situation did not go well for them. No, no. Civ three was the worst for like, hey, I have an Apache helicopter, and you have longbowmen. And Civ three was the worst for the resolution where the longbowmen would uh, win more than they really well, should. The the other thing but I didn't like Civ about 4. Civ three is no matter what you did, it would always drop you between three different civilizations and then you would have to just struggle to not get choked out on just territory no matter yeah. how big the world you made was no matter how much you tried to give yourself space like they it would always drop you mm-hmm. in between three countries and you would always have to struggle with that and it just drove me up the wall sure well matt do you have something that's over on the uh strategy side or anything like that uh, it's not on my Mount Rushmore. Um, okay. I do have an honorable mention. Well, we can strategy. we can change genre. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What what? Just just say where where would you like to go from here? Uh, you know, if we could go to platformers, okay. because I have a I have a couple other genres that I enjoy, but I was going to go there. But platformers, it's obviously like that's a it's kind of a very broad category. I mean, there's still uh, companies are still putting out technically like platformers today they're just they come in different forms and i i actually feel like nintendo because nintendo's always been very good at platformers arguably the best yeah i feel like nintendo is still putting out like really solid platformers <clears throat> Excuse i feel me, like I just, uh, uh, platformers kind of mm-hmm. made a comeback the last like eight years too yeah i i would agree um and in fact uh, i was telling brad i just bought uh the new the newest kirby game kirby's always been like a reliable platformer so that hasn't come yet but once it comes in the mail like i'll enjoy that game but uh i'm gonna choose one of the original platformers yeah and it's one that's different from other games in the genre that's because it didn't start off as a game in the genre it was it was basically made into one but i always found it unique and super fun i'm actually going to go with super mario brothers 2 really panic Yes. Interesting. I personally, well, I think something like like Super Mario RPG is so different mm-hmm. than yeah, that's kind of in its own realm. But if you're talking just platformers, I still think Super Mario Brothers Two is my favorite in the series. I I love I love that game. It was so radically different than Super Mario brothers uh, obviously that's because it's like it started off as a different game right um and it's, it was different than other games that have come since then like it, super mario Bros. 3 was more of a return to the super mario brothers form um but it we saw like the kind of the origination of some of the the iconic super mario brothers characters in in uh smb2 yeah like the shy guys yeah. and some other characters um birdie the cartoon when toad um, really got out there the cartoon yeah. really um the cartoon borrowed heavily from oh, Super yeah. Mario 2. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It, I think it, the timeline-wise, I think it basically came out at the same time. So, so what, was... what happened there, though, is so they – because the NES came out here a little later, 
They mm. released Super Mario, and it was a big hit. So they wanted to do a sequel, but Mario 2 in Japan looked like Mario, and so it was just looked outdated, so they, they changed this one. Mm. And honestly, if you played Mario The Lost Levels, it, it sucks. It's too hard, and it's annoying, so this was a better choice. Yeah. And you get the interesting things of, like, every character is slightly different mechanically, which was kind of a novelty mm-hmm. at the time. So, yeah. like, Mario's kind of standard. Toad can't jump far, but he picks things up quick. Uh, Princess yeah. floats. And then Luigi does this, like, kind of weird kicky floaty jump, but he's also, like, the highest jumper. Yes. Yep. So, funny story just real quick to throw it because every now and then I'll get down the YouTube rabbit hole with summoning salt about speedrunners. For the Super Mario Brothers 2 speedrunners, they only ever use Luigi or Toad because Luigi gets them enough height for jumps they need to make, or Toad gets them moving fast enough to get them uh, where they want to go. Well, you want I just Toad. thought it was interesting. You want Toad like those levels you have to dig and avoid like the Phantom Masks? You want Toad for that. And he's also he's got a smaller hitbox, so there are some that uh, that you want to use him for that sort of thing as well. Yeah. But uh, that's Matt. That's a fun choice. That's really you don't hear a whole lot of people talking about Mario two. But they should they should talk about it a lot because it's a fantastic game. It's so much fun. I just love that game. Oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I think it's because. Super Mario Bros. 3 came out and kind of blew everyone's mind because there were so many different aspects of it mechanically mm-hmm. uh, that improved upon the original game. And maybe Super Mario Bros. 2 was just too different from the original Super Mario Bros. It hit in a weird and, dead zone where, like, mm-hmm. it came between that first wave of people getting NESs and then it hit and then – but it was right before, like, everyone got an NES because I think it came right. out in, like, 87 or 88. And I feel like when – everyone you knew had an NES was like 88 and 89. Uh-huh. And so I think it just, I think it just, by the time people were done with Mario and looking for another Mario one, then Mario three was on the horizon. Yeah. I, I think you're right about it. Just feeling very different. Um, I think as a kid, like I, I like it more as an adult, but as a kid, I didn't like it as much because it was too different. Yeah, because you had your expectations of what it would be. But here's the thing. If you didn't have Mario 2, then I don't know that people would have reacted as well as they did to Mario 3 because Mario 3 kind of blended the first two in some yeah. some good ways. So, uh, Matt, you're right. It, it deserves more credit than it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad, do you have a, a platformer? Actually, yes, I do. We're going to stay with the NES, and it's actually a two in a series as well. Um, probably the best game in the series, without question, in my opinion. I don't know I don't know how strong of an opinion you guys are going to have about it, but uh, Mega Man 2, Ooh. which was hands down the best Mega Man game. I would agree that it is hands down. The first one, uh, it's fun, but I didn't. There are some parts of it I didn't particularly care for. And but the I feel guts, like was... man, like um, things that would just randomly drop you. Oh, uh, yes, and also some of the Iceman level game uh, games. When well, I level games, like the Iceman levels where you had to be like, jumping from platform to platform. Yeah. Uh, like in particular, like yet the 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 ice platforms that would 
appear and disappear, stuff like that. Yeah. That got annoying because you had to basically – you could do the jump. The jump wasn't like necessarily hard, but if you mistimed it exactly, you basically had to restart doing that sequence over and over again. So if you did it poorly – which as a kid I would a lot of times like and then it's like oh great I'm gonna be here another like 15 20 minutes in this one screen right <clears throat> but I I kind of agree with you Mega Man 2 is like it seems like they had perfected what it was it was just uh, that's a fantastic game great music memorable bosses um, probably the best weapon in the entire game with the metal blade that was always useful Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah super great stages like great enemies like the the robot dogs and like stuff like woodman stage that the dragon you fight in wily's castle just an all-around like great mega man game absolutely it's probably, it's a good choice probably would be in my top 10 nes games of all time actually i would oh gosh i'd have to do so much work to go back and look at nes games to make a top 10 but mega man, mega man 2 is very good too um, I never really got an opportunity to play the first one. So the first Mega Man I played was Mega Man 2. The first one's and weird. So, I mean, that's a pretty high, pretty high bar to set is when the first one's Mega Man 2, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, this was way down the line, but years later, uh, with the Super NES, going, going to the video rental store, and I found Mega Man X. I'm like, oh, Mega Man 10, cool. Not what i was expecting mega man x is probably the second best mega man well i the x series is different but mega man x is really good too but it was not what i was expecting and um i wasn't really on board with it so that was not uh not the best weekend of rental for me i played the hell out of mega man x to be honest um i'm i'm just gonna have to switch genres here because i don't have a platformer it Oddly, platformers are the games that I found to be the uh, most uh, intense slash difficult slash frustrating games for me. Um, it it depends, I think, upon what <clears throat> what system you're doing because there again we've talked about this before in our show, but there is a reason that there is a trope called Nintendo Hard. Yeah, like there were some platformers for. <clears throat> like the the old school Nintendo, and there's been some since that this like this, but definitely the Nintendo. Like they had some games that were just hard. Like yeah, or even if they weren't overall like particularly hard, there were some games that had levels that were just super challenging. I think we right. so, and, and I mean some of them are infamous, like the Birds and Ninja Gaiden one. Ah, oh my God. Yeah, or, or even Castlevania, like the goddamn bats. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and the fleas too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Castlevania had some uh, serious quality of life issues for for at least a couple games. Or and I think the third one, if you don't hit the right button when you hit stairs, you'll just fall to your death. Oh, if you Lord. don't hit down, that's the worst. So um, that's why. That's why, in my opinion, um, Super Castlevania Four is the best of like those platforming Castlevanias because it addresses a lot of those issues. Gotcha. I, I had played Super Castlevania at one point. But I don't know. I just wasn't invested enough to keep playing Castlevania for some reason. It with that you can just sit there and like you can like if you just roll your hand over the controller and you have your whip out like it it you you have total control over your whip which fixes a lot of. Things. Yeah, it does. It fixes a lot of issues. But yeah. 
So I'm going to switch genres and I'm going to go over to the action. Now, this is not exactly the best defined, but I'm going to do it anyway because I had to figure out one way or another to get this game on the list for myself. Uh, so I'm going with action, not adventure, but action, which is how I'm going to sneak Fallout New Vegas onto my list. I, see, I would put hmm. Fallout New Vegas as a CRPG, actually. I, I would, too. Right. Well, it's got enough uh, shooter elements to it that I thought that calling it an action game was uh, fair. Regardless, whatever you want to call it, that's um, not just a straight RPG. There's there's Fallout New Vegas on mine. Because Fallout New Vegas for me would be in the same genre that like the Elder Scroll games would be in. Right. Um. When when I have something that has the first person perspective as part of it. I don't in my head I don't qualify it as quote unquote an RPG. It is there's FPS elements mixed into it and therefore I feel that I like I have to call it something different. Um but that might just be a quirk. Um I like New Vegas. Okay, I really liked Fallout 3. I may be one of the few people that'd be willing to say that out loud. I really liked Fallout 3, but then again I always by default tend towards playing a heroic or good aligned character. Um, the struggle it takes for me to play a neutral karma character means that I know for full certain I'll never long-term play an evil character because I just won't be able to stomach it. But, um, you know, and Fallout 3 really lent, the storyline really lent itself to that. But New Vegas is open and meandering enough that you even have some choices that aren't, you know, good slash evil aligned in how you do things. You know, de determining the fate of New Vegas doesn't fall on the good evil scale, but it falls in your approach and how you do it. And there's four broad approaches off the top of my head for it. It's a uh, there's so many different options. I like having um, a skill point system. And then um, I like almost all of the DLC for it. Um, I do not like Dead Money, but I like Honest Hearts. I like Old World, Old World Blues is hilarious, and uh, I like Lonesome Road. Just don't, if you're going to do Lonesome Road and you've never played it before, which okay, but if you're going to do that, don't wait till you're level 50 to do Lonesome Road because that's going to be way harder. It also has the best, I think, starting motivation for your character because you pretty much just get shot in the head and left in a ditch. Yeah, so you've got a, a nice revenge starter that's everybody can pretty well get behind, you know. Now the only the only thing I'm going to say against New Vegas is it has the worst radio host out of the the three oh, games that Bethesda's done. Yeah, Wayne Newton doesn't really hold a candle to to Three Dog, but oh no, and the guy, but the guy in Four is hilarious too because he's just such a stuttering ass. <laughs> you know, you can fix that in Four. I know. You do a question. I know, but he, but I mean, like Three Dog's probably the best, but the other guy's memorable. And like, I always have to look up who the radio host is in in New Vegas. But I think um, the other thing with New Vegas, if you're gonna play it these days, you need to play it on PC and you gotta mod it. Yeah, I get the graphics looking better, and um, you you need to get the mods that restore like the lost content in it, because then that lets the like it kind of fleshes the Caesars out a bit, 
if you want to go that route. Also, they're, they're, they are great um, antagonists in that game. Yeah, they're such dicks. They are, the, the Caesar's Legion are just so awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just... Oh, God, it's you don't feel bad about killing them at all. Um, I was going to say, I don't play New Vegas as a action game, though. I, I use VATS for most of my combating. Well, what I have discovered, at least for myself, I should say, is that if I am doing a... Um, a shooter playthrough, so guns, energy weapons, whatever, then that's great. Vats is a great choice. But if I'm doing a melee playthrough, then I don't use Vats hardly at all because it slows me down. Well, yeah, if I'm doing that, I'm just going to wrench people as quick as possible. Uh, just get that uh, – <laughs> if I'm doing a, a melee playthrough, I'm grabbing the biggest, heaviest two-handed thing, and I'm – there's a perk where you can do knockdowns with melee stuff, and I'm just – you can do it with a one-handed, too. If, if you get the, the War Club from Honest Hearts and you get the mods for it, you swing it so fast that if you have like a 50% knockdown chance on a melee swing, then you're just going to be smacking people all over the place. And that's not only funny, but it's satisfying. <laughs> and it's, it's the only of the Bethesda ones that – really has true like role playing options like there's some real choice and consequence stuff which a lot of games try and weasel their way out of <laughs> mass effect <laughs> um but you know your your choices do have a lot of do matter a lot in this game yeah they they do make it i never played fallout before um fallout 3 so you know you'll have to bear with me on that but they're isometrics and um yeah. they're actually a lot of fun but it's the first this one's is, super short actually this is the the one that i'm i'm picking with and going with so new vegas matt had you ever played any i know new vegas was available on console did you ever get a, a shot at it uh sadly no um okay. i own it though i own it and uh fallout 3 um but i've not really had a chance to dive too deep into it if um, you it was it's kind of like on my list to get to sooner rather than later uh but i've been kind of sadly i have not had a chance to game much so i've not gone through that one it's yeah it's better on pc because you can fix a lot of the bugs and stability issues that is why um i play stuff like that on pc is because i can use the console to fix things if i walk into a room and the person that i have to talk to for my quest randomly flies into the air and dies when they hit the ground <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll pull up the console and be like, "No, we're gonna fix that." And yeah. then there we go; it's it's done. And they, Whereas, people have patched in like a lot of the lost content that they had to cut due to time issues, so you get a lot of that stuff back too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do need to say though is I know I was just talking about Lonesome Road. Ulysses is is Ulysses is a prick too, but uh, <laughs> you know. So, um, there you go. New Vegas is on the list, everybody. Oh, so we're at our last, we're at our last pick for each one, aren't we? Our last main pick. Um, (laughs) that was, that was my big crowd pleaser. Okay, so. Wait, I don't, I don't think so. I have like two that I haven't talked about. Yeah, that's right. Cause I, I switched genres right there in the middle that Matt needs to pick up. Sorry, I thought, I thought we'd. So, 
Uh, where are you going next, Matt? Uh, I'll go with probably what has become overall my favorite genre, and that's been the case for like the last like mm, twelve to fifteen years. But first-person shooters. Okay. Uh, and there is a bunch that I can pick from this. I will include some in my uh, honorable mentions, but I'm gonna just go with what is arguably like has become like the the uh, genre standard for it. Okay. I'm gonna go with the original Halo. Oh, uh, interesting. Really, really fun game. A lot of elements of that game, both in terms of storytelling and, and gameplay mechanics kind of changed things like uh, there was a lot of games after that that uh, somewhat clones of halo um i don't say that necessarily in a bad way because it is a i think it's a fantastic game um and one that's still actually continuing i mean they have we're up to like halo 5 at least i think there's another yeah. halo that i don't know if they claimed it's halo 6 i think they've like, been slowly been... choking the life out of it with bad like <clears throat> decisions yeah like the stay the original uh trilogy i thought was pretty good in terms of storytelling uh Mm -hmm. and then halo 4 was doing one that was kind of related that still made sense and since then it has not really gone i I, hasn't been as interesting in my opinion and they've done a bunch of side games for because that's unfortunately is the thing now with companies is that if you have a successful franchise uh the companies then decide to basically like wring every little penny they can out of a fan base yeah Every drop yeah. of blood from the stone to try and get maximize their profits. I think it needs to also be said that it um, there's a couple things with historical importance for it. So I think it mm-hmm. made Xbox. Um, oh yes, yeah. yeah. And it's also the first time that a first-person shooter actually felt viable on console. Like we can talk about yeah. GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, which are fun multiplayers, but this is like the first time that it felt about as good as on the PC. Because yeah, I think what yeah, people yeah. don't remember is um, FPS was entirely something you did on PC until, like, Halo happened. It, it Like, GoldenEye, the single player was good, but that's not that was not the draw of the game. Um, the draw of the game was really the multiplayer. Yeah. And putting yeah. proximity mines under respawning ammo crates to harass your brother. And, but, but I mean, uh, you, you really only played the single player to get more character options for. Right. You unlocks it. Well, no, I played it for the story and everything, but uh, you, you, the replayability was for the unlocks for multi. Yeah. Because you didn't want to be that one guy where your buddies came over to play and you didn't have everything unlocked. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do the temple. Slappers only. But nobody better pick Odd Job. You hear me? <laughs> You're just acting like people like me would crouch his Odd Job and like get their hitbox as small as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Or they would go into <clears throat> but, the one stage where you had to come out of like the air duct into the bathroom, and then if we had proximity mines, it just chuck one up there, and then realize you died and respawn there, and you're just like shit. Yeah. Um. But to go back to Matt's original point, of the Halo games, the one I played the most was Halo 3, because uh, I did not have an Xbox console until the 360. But, um, you know, the here, you want an example of, of how iconic Halo 1 was? I'm going to turn them in a point to how big Red versus Blue was. 
Like it, mm-hmm. the, it was uh, the game was good enough that it spawned an, a long, long running web series out of it. Like it's it's you that is a good choice. Have you any, uh, have either of you seen the TV show? I, I have not. Bad. I have not. I have also heard it's bad, which is a shame because it's like that. It it should not really be. I heard bad. they made like Master Chief like a total bitch in it. Mm. <sighs> but those 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 adaptations are always like bad and anymore. Like it's just about trying to cash in on the name and put as little quality into it as possible. Well, there are some of them that work. Um, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this as an opportunity to segue into my last pick, which falls in the other category, because the big um, TV adaptation that was done with it actually went really, really well and drew a bunch of new players into the game. This is also a big multiplayer game that has managed to stay viable for a decade at this point with a big pro esports scene. And uh, I know it's got a reputation for a toxic fan base, but when fan base is that big, that's what you're going to get. And they do things with, with new characters and changing how the game is played to keep it fresh for all these years which means that, to my shame, after going for the crowd pleaser with New Vegas, the other one I have to say that I think deserves to be up there on the list is going to be League of Legends. Because, uh, and the thing I was referring to is the Arcane series on Netflix. Is crossover is really good. So, I uh, go. Can you, for someone who's like not really a fan or has played it, what do you, mm-hmm. what exactly is uh, toxic about it? Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that out of ignorance. Like, I don't, yeah. that means I don't know. People will flip like, the fuck out at, at you if you don't pick a meta character. Or if you play... Mm. The the other players are the toxic part. There, yeah. there are some other players, for lack of a better term, can be absolute shitheads if everything doesn't go exactly the way they want it to. Or th- it is a... Com- or they'll Go fucking bitch at you for, like, a minor mistake that did not affect the outcome of the game while they, like, totally fuck your team because they suck. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's not like Toxic fan base is anything new. It's just a game of League has ten people in it. It's 5v5. You have three lanes. Each lane has three towers. And then you hit the base. You're trying to take down the enemy Nexus. And so... Uh, depending on which lane you're in, you're dealing with one or two people. You have a roaming character uh, referred to as the jungler who shows up and influences your lane or the map as a whole and that sort of stuff. And it's it's very easy in that compa- – here, here's my caveat. League of Legends is a great game if you turn off all the chat options. Don't leave any of the chat on. Just turn all the chat off, and your experience is going to be a million times better. Um, and yeah, it's got, it's got a hell of a learning curve to it, but on the other, you know, you've got, I think 150 different characters that you can opt to pick from and, you know, find one you really like. And as long as you're not playing in high, high rank stuff, you can be successful with it. And, um, it is a fun game 
for me the the best thing about it is that it's it works very well as a social game too um you know you're working together with your buddies to to try and and win and that sort of stuff but yeah there you and it's one of those that yeah the learning curve steep but it's not like dota 2 steep which is just just a massive learning curve so no because i think when i played it i played i was i had played maybe like 10 or 11 games and i was figuring it out more and more each time yeah um so there you go if it's still one of the biggest esports in the world it's still one of the most popular games in the world there it is that's and it's it's been that way for a long time so just don't engage with the community yeah, yeah, just stay away they, from that. They mm. actually are not the most toxic of communities because the Overwatch community is, like, the worst. Right, but there's not as many of them. Oh, so. yeah, because they've, they've... Blizzard made sure to fuck that game up the last couple of years. Yeah, so there you go. And that's that's the last one that I'm putting on the Mount Rushmore, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there that are just utterly disgusted with me. Eh, it's your, so. it's your Mount Rushmore, so... I know. I'm going to go with this would probably get some heat because there's going to be people that are going to argue that this is not a true genre. But I say fuck you. It obviously is because it's in the vernacular now. But um, I'm going to pick a Metroidvania. Okay. And fight me. It is its own genre. So um, I'm going to pick Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That is kind of I would say the well, I guess Super Metroid's kind of the grandfather of it. But um, I would say this is like the template that most of most Metroidvanias are birthed out of. This is the uh, even me having not played it. I know Symphony of the Night's a big deal and probably the best soundtrack ever. I have played it. Uh, I would agree. It's I could say it's arguably like the best Castlevania game. And I I would go with like that's like, that's a fantastic pick, and and it, I agree with you like Cas- that Castlevania or Metroidvania that type of that is its own genre. Yep. And um, it even has like at the time it w- I mean it's a well known thing now, but you know people didn't necessarily know the inverted castle existed. Like so, there were people that were beating it and were only playing half the game because they didn't get the green goggles <laughs> and <laughs> be um. Oh, which Belmont was it? Was it Richard Belmont? I thought it was Trevor. Yeah, whichever <laughs> Belmont. So you have to you have to fight the the mid mid level boss, and then you do the castle upside down, which is awesome. And then there's like this boss made of corpses, which is also outstanding. Right. But so it has like so what a Metroidvania is is there's some light RPG options. There's a lot of backtracking to the game, and it's very puzzly, and you're you can't get to everything because you have to like usually improve your character by like finding items like getting a double jump or in this game like Alucard could turn into a bat, a wolf, and mist, which you needed to get to certain things. E- okay. <laughs> but truly good game. It's still worth playing today. It's <clears throat> aged very well in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. So Matt, what do you have for your your ultimate spot here, your last spot? My last spot, I again, I was going essentially by genre, 
Um, and I was thinking like there's a lot of other genres that I could have chosen. Obviously, you guys chose something like a, like a tactical RPG as a, a genre. Um, I didn't go that way. I decided to do something a little more unique. Uh, one that has games that are strictly for this, I feel like has kind of like gone by the wayside a little bit in recent years mm-hmm. with the most recent uh, uh, generations of systems. They still put them out, but not as prevalent as it was in like the PS1, PS2 days. But I'm going to go uh, in the what's called a survival horror genre. Okay. And the game that I chose for that, just the, I'm going to go with the original, the one that kind of kicked everything off, uh, Resident Evil. Mm. Uh, there's been many, many versions of Resident Evil. They've even it's it's to, even to the point where they're doing remakes of the original games. The Resident Evil 2 remake is excellent. Yeah, some of them are better than others, uh, and that's fine. But I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go with like the original Resident Evil. At the time, it was like no no other game you had played. It was really like unique. It was very interesting. Um, and I guess it was quote unquote scary. Not really scary, but I mean they 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 employed a lot of jump scares at times, which mm-hmm. that could be uh, scary. And some and I mean I'm choosing the original game, but some of the other games in in the series like Resident Evil three i believe with nemesis it's like that was scary because you don't know like you could be walking through a thing and all of a sudden nemesis like appears and starts attacking you like that stars yeah i don't know those fucking dogs in two scared the shit out of me because i was playing it like <laughs> at 2 a.m yeah and those things like fucking crashed through a window and scared the mm. shit out of me yeah and there are other games in the survival horror genre that i have on my i have honorable mentions and i felt actually are much much scarier um what was um, the what's the camera was that um, oh fuck! What's it called? Deadly Frames, maybe? No. Fatal Frame. Fatal Frame, yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, that one. That one really is good with the jump scares, and that was kind of um, scary. Um, Siphon Filter. I know. I don't. Oh, Silent. Uh, sorry, Silent <laughs> Hill. Sorry. Oh, Silent Hill is creepy as hell. Yeah. Like, I actually wish that in this most current uh, generation, so the. The Xbox, uh, it's not the Xbox One. What? It's the most recent Xbox. Oh, uh, call. I don't. Xbox know. X. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and the PS Five. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish that they would basically do like a new Silent Hill game. They were supposed to. Yeah. Remember, they put uh, they put that one like very brief game that came out. Um, it's like it was like downloadable. I think it was even like free. And then they, like, at the very end, once you had actually completed it. They, they revealed that it was actually like a uh, essentially a teaser game for a new Silent Hill with Norman Reedus as like the main character. Wow! Happen. But but then nothing came of it. That was basically it. Oh. They didn't actually do something new. Some other good games in that genre. Um, the most recent one is Alien Isolation, was really good, and then um, Bioshock, the first game. Ooh yes, Bioshock. Bioshock, uh, Bioshock was in. Uh, high contention for me because like with um, Bio- with bioshock where it really does that better is like you'll see the shadow of something down a hallway and you're just like shit <laughs> yeah um i had bioshock is one of my honorable mentions for uh first person shooters but it could also fit with survival horror yeah and then um <clears throat> alan wake alan wake is a game that should have gotten way more popularity than it got uh it wasn't alan wake for consoles yes wasn't that kind of like a, a newer game in a series that had already been popular on 
PCs. I do. Not I feel like think it was. So, but because what Alan Wake <laughs> was is like you had a flashlight was your primary. Oh thing. wait, you're correct. You're correct. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of like the Alone in the Dark series. Yeah, because no, Alan Wake kind of did it like a TV show where you get so far and it'd be like last time on Alan Wake it was really a cool game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just actually re-released it because they were talking about doing a sequel. I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, survival horror is a really good genre. Yeah, and I don't feel like it's. I guess it's maybe falling out of favor with with fans because they don't do a ton of games. Maybe they oversaturated it because now do. it seems. Well, now it seems like the only survival horror they're really putting out is just like the the next uh, generation game of like Resident Evil, mm-hmm. yeah. which some of them are good. Like they just in the last like year or so they put out Resident Evil Village. Um, and that's a very, very well done game. I think um, I think a lot of them have gotten just, like replaced by like those survival crafty games. Which, out of curiosity, which category would you put um, your classic Five Nights at Freddy's games in that? I don't really know what those are, <laughs> other than the characters. Oh. <clears throat> They're. I would call them survival horror, but it's it's a survival horror where you can't move around. So they're like horror puzzle games, kind of. But yeah. the horror is it, it. I think it's a really good use of jump scare stuff, um, because that's it's about atmosphere, and if you get a jump scare, that means you're dead and you got to start it over. But uh, I wasn't sure which which uh, category they'd fall into. I guess it'd be survival horror. Okay. It's, I kind of, with you, it's like, it's weird. Uh, I cut they kind of are survival horror, but you're right. It's more like puzzle games. It's, it's a really fascinating thing because it, it, it created its own niche to fill. And, um, cause it's there. It's not like there had been a huge preponderance of, puzzle survival horror and creepy animatronic games and uh did a really good job with that so so i noticed among ours like i think the newest game on here is about 10 or 12 years old is there why do you think we all went with with older games like i well i I can tell you mine go go ahead well i was gonna say i think for me for for something to be the pinnacle for me it has to be something that's existed for a while that i've revisited and revisited like at different stages in my life like it's kind of like movies and stuff like the truly great stuff i think you have to come back to a couple of times um throughout your life so i think mm-hmm. because i think something that's like just like two or three years old like it really hasn't you don't know like how the quality of life stuff's gonna do and and you know things like that or even things like bioshock infinite that people are over the moon about you kind of like go back to you like, eh, this didn't age as well as like regular Bioshock did. Yeah. Infinite's very good, but the problem is that the first Bioshock's just really hard to compare to. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of on the same page is that it, a lot of the stuff I have is, is older because how is it going to be, how do I know it's going to be really great unless it stands the test of time? And I need enough of a gap between where I sit and when it came out to look at it and say, oh, yeah, this this absolutely held up. 
and it's not like there aren't good games that have come out recently, but it's it's hard to compare that way. You know, it's it's hard to be like, okay, well, this is really good, but is am I am I thinking this is great because of recency bias, or is it just innovative in a way that's that's going to catch on now, or something like that? It, that that's that's why even if I look if I look down my um, even my honorable mentions, the newest I actually have one from 2018 on this list, but that's kind of a special case. So, um, you know, most of them are older for that reason, and I don't get to game as much as I used to. Yeah, that's with, part with of tiny it, humans, I mean, tiny humans in the house. I think there's that, also a certain um. They play it safer now, and there's, like, conventional wisdom to design, and I think a lot of that stuff, um, there's a lot of trying to be everything to everyone that prevents games from, like, true greatness. Mm. What were you going to say, Matt? Uh, I'm, that's exactly the reason why I haven't chosen a lot of newer games, Chad, is that I just do not have time to game as much. Um, so that's, that's why. A lot of, a lot of newer games, like, that people will be raving about or things like that, I, I just don't really i either don't own them or haven't played them like i uh i really really want the people have raved about it it's you know was a huge success but i people to rave about witcher 3 Mm -hmm. and i own witcher 3 but i have not had time to sink sit down and like sink like 100 hours into a game right do everything so that's the reason why something like that even though it gets rave reviews and a lot of people talk about how great it is like i didn't have it on my list because I have never played it, so I, I can't say like how good it is. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's good. I just I can't I can't honestly put it on my like Mount Rushmore. If I never even yeah. played it, I'm weirdly picky with um, with fantasy games. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even like Skyrim much. Uh, it, it's weird, you know. It's the same engine as as like New Vegas is, but I did not like Skyrim very much. I and, didn't. Skyrim is an Elder Scrolls game. It has a lot of problems. It's better than Oblivion, but in my opinion, uh, Morrowind is like the pinnacle of the the Elder Scrolls games. So, but see where where I like Elder Scrolls, well Morrowind, that would drive other people up the wall is what I like about that game is you get a quest and like this thing is here, and it doesn't put it on the map for you. You have to figure Ooh. out. Like, oh, okay, well, I need to go down this and look for this cave. Like, well, okay, that's the coast. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go look. I don't know. That's, that's actually what put me off of the first Borderlands is it'd be like, okay, you got to go over here and do this thing. And I'd look at the map and I'd be like, well, I can't find it. And the map's not helping. And eventually I just got frustrated and I was like, never mind. I'm done. I'm not decoding Enigma here to figure out how to get to the the next mission in your game if your map system doesn't work properly. Well, no, they don't. Now, but, Fallout like, 3 was really good. But, you know, give me an area. Tell me, go over here. There's going to be a thing here for you to do. That's fine. But it's like, hey, you know, there's a there's a thief about... You'd be like, oh, you have any ideas where he is? Nope, don't even know who he is. you got to figure it out. And it's just like... No, Morrowind, Morrowind would give you directions. So it'd be like, okay, you're going to go north out of town... You're going to hang a left and then you're going to like walk along this coast until you come to a cave. And then the quest is in the cave. Like that's kind of how Morrowind did it. Like it gave you directions, but then you had to use like landmarks and things they told you to figure it out. I'm okay with that. 
Yeah, like it never screwed you on that. Like you could figure it out pretty easy, but like it made you have to think and go, okay, well, I'm looking for a tree here and then I go here. Oh, there's the tree because it looks like what they said. So, okay, so I gotcha. go this way. Oh, okay, well, here's the cave. <clears throat> gotcha. Like that stuff. You know, the one thing I know about Skyrim What's is that, that uh, <laughs> Kajit has wares if you have coins. Yeah. <laughs> Khajiit has wares! Khajiit has wares. Also... And, and Macho Man. There's a Macho Man mod for the first dragon. Oh, the dragon. Oh, yeah, I but see For that. all the dragons, I think. Oh, okay. But, yeah, just the dragon comes down right there at the beginning and goes, yeah! And you look up and there's, there's a dragon, but instead of having a dragon head making Macho Man sounds, it's just Macho Man's face on yeah. a dragon neck. It's like, wow! That's new real estate in my nightmares. The, um, the other problem it has is um, there's no reason to not be a stealth archer in that game. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's distinctly better than any other option. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into some honorable mentions. Um, I don't know about you guys. My honorable mentions don't really have a rhyme or reason to them. They're just things <clears throat> that came to mind for me that I couldn't uh, justify putting on um, putting on the Mount Rushmore itself. I did keep genre for it. Okay. Why don't you got one of you guys uh, uh, throw one out there. Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. That's a solid one. Um, I, I didn't have that uh, on my honorable mentions, but I, I thought about that one, putting that one in there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you want to actually stick with like, are we just doing like one or two? Because I have like I have three. Five. I have several. <clears throat> yeah, I have several. So, for just go for, for it. Okay. Um, so for in the in the genre of role playing games, uh, obviously, like I am actually a big fan of Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Uh, that because that when I got into when I was really getting into gaming, like that was for like the. the original like playstation wasn't it yeah i think so and it's, that okay go ahead i was gonna say it really it really changed the way like you looked at video games because mm. like final fantasy 7 at the time was an experience like what the um and it still stays with me today but like when the diamond weapon comes out of the ocean and starts attacking and like you know, it's like all these cannons are shooting at it and you have to fight it and your characters are super small. Like that just that scene sticks with me because I'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah. Uh, and then the hidden bosses and everything, you, you'd have to fight the, the hidden weapons, stuff like that. I remember I fought like very late at night. I like was playing and I fought Ruby weapon. And I remember I have to I, that was a that was a boss fight that it literally took me like over an hour to actually beat him because I, all of my party except myself kept dying. So I had to keep like using Phoenix downs and then I was using like my strongest spells against him. And then that literally like just whittling away at him. And after, after like over an hour of doing that, I finally won. And it was like, that was an experience. I had never had a boss fight that I actually did that much effort into to, to actually beat one but it was an experience like that that was actually like a fantastic game even though the, like i love that one. the fucking commercials spoiled Aerith dying though oh yeah i bought the uh, 
the remake for the PS4. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I've played I think it's only like it, part it's, one, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. They do a lot yeah. of things right because they 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 flesh Barrett out a little better, and he's not like a Mr. T ripoff anymore. And yeah, I so I did buy it for uh, a Switch because they did a port of it for the Switch. Yeah. So because I wanted to have it where I could basically like play that at my leisure on a, a handheld console. Crisis Core on PSP was really good too. Yeah. So I have uh, on the Final Fantasy. I have a I have Final Fantasy VII now. I have not played it yet, but on the final I played Final Fantasy VI, which was hard in the running for RPG. Um, but six uh, got beat out just honestly, just too many people uh, for me for six. That was up there. I did. I played all the way through six. I beat six. Um, uh, my favorite part is having the, you know, Sabin can suplex a train, but the thing yes, that I, you have to, you haven't lived until you've suplexed the phantom train. Yeah. But I, um, played my way through, uh, played final fantasy 10, wherein I really hate most of the characters, but the combat system was so good. But once I beat Seymour Flux, I just quit playing the game. I was I, just done. Where, where Final Fantasy X really stuck with me, though, is that was like one of the first like fully voice acted games I think that ever came out. Okay. So you kind of got a heavier attachment to the characters because you were actually hearing their voices. I just hated Titus so much. See, I, I, it was Waka I really fucking hated. And I was okay oh. with Titus because, like, of his circumstance. But, I mean, I thought, like, I thought um, Yuno was a decent character. I thought Oren was really cool. Um, I liked Oren. I was okay with Kamari. Um, Waka was irritating to me. But, you know, there's there's a scene in it where Titus is too dumb to eat. And it was really hard for me to get past that. Um, Lulu was fine. But it's just, oh my god, so much Seymour. God. Yeah, Seymour was not a great antagonist. It, yeah, I, really. And he wasn't even a, the antagonist. He was a side quest that just kept getting in your way. Um, here, I'll throw in. I, this, is, this is an oddball. I actually have a sports game for an honorable mention. But it's not a like uh, real player sports game. It's Looney Tunes B-Ball from the Super NES. Hmm. Is the most fun basketball game I have ever played. It is it is all the craziness of NBA NBA Jam dialed up to eleven. So if you have never played Looney Tunes B-Ball, I absolutely recommend it. I have not. Played it, it is actually. so much fun. It is so much fun. I put so much time into. Yeah, when you can be Bugs Bunny and Wiley Cody playing a game against Daffy and Yosemite Sam, um, you know, or Elmer and uh, Marvin the Martian uh, and other people that I'm forgetting, it's it's seriously a really good game. NBA Jam was fun back in the day. I would never. It was make fun, one the but um, Looney Tunes B Ball is an honorable mention that should be on there. Absolutely. So. 
I, I, I kind of divvied these up so I could put them on there. So I'm going to go... I'm just going to list both of them because I don't think either of you are going to have a lot to say to them. So I'm going to do a straight-up computer RPG than an action RPG. So we're going to go with Planescape Torment for PC and then Diablo 2, which just got Diablo 2 mm. remastered, which is worth your time because they actually did a good job with that one. And I think they just did new content for it like a month ago. Oh, wow. I, I played a lot of Diablo uh, 2. Yeah, the, um, the, the remake is worth it. So, okay. I had not bought the remake, but, uh, okay. Okay. It's actually Uh, better on console than the remake is on PC because console kept like, kept like it the way it is. And then on console, you get like all the hotkeys so you can actually use your skills more than like one at a time and Mm, everything. Okay. Uh, now I played a lot of, of Diablo 3, but I don't think it's as good as 2. So. No, but Diablo 3 is its own thing. I think people shit on it more than it deserves. More than it deserves, but, you, you know, it just it wasn't hitting for me great. So, no. Matt, you had another honorable mention to put in? I have several, but uh, I will go with one that's actually for uh, a system that I don't think I've really been talked about, but the Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah? Um, it's one that I actually love this game to the point where I actually remember it every like two or three years and I, I play it again not for necessarily for the Sega Genesis but I own uh, Sega Collections uh, slash like I have like a little mini handheld uh, Sega Collection one that has like a bunch of Sega games on it but A Shining Force yes that's uh, a great one yeah that's a, a essentially like it's a turn based uh, RPG it, that one is unique in a sense that you could it, you had like set movement speeds, uh, a ton of characters, like two dozen characters or so that you could actually play and have in your party. You can have like twelve characters at a time, um, well, it's and a, you actually it's a it's mm-hmm. a turn based strategy just to set the yes time. yes uh, it's turn based strategy game and the characters have different uh, movement. Uh, act speeds basically because some characters like you can move them like four spots and you have like and then there's some can move like a lot 20 like a lot yeah Yeah. there it's it is really fun some characters you actually have to like actively recruit or find they're hidden um so that's part of like the fun of playing the game and Um, and some characters just outright suck and some characters like almost just broken like how good they are Oh, I, yeah. I do think and two is better than one, though. Hmm. Some characters that you once you level them up, they get like ungodly. Like there's one character in the game, uh, you know, this one, Brad Domingo. Yep. He's who the, is is he's like the uh, like, on he just the, cast on, Blizzard on everything. Yeah, on TV tropes, I think like there is specific tropes, obviously, and I think the one they put for him is like glass cannon. Yeah, because he's physically very fragile. Uh, but if you actually like level him up and use him, he's arguably the strongest magic user in your entire party. And you can just have him be casting spells like the highest level spells. Like if he's casting Blizzard, it's like Blizzard level four, and he can just like obliterate people like easily. Like he's almost broken. Yeah. Uh, and they have other characters that are like really really good. They have a uh, like Silo the werewolf. Like level him up. 
and he's like he's not only like a tank and that he can just soak up punishment but he deals out a ton of damage yeah like it's a really really fun game it's uh there actually is some strategy to it not just like turn based it's like there actually is leveling to that the best way to do it is actually like to play each level basically two or three times like play it to the point where you're almost have defeated all enemies and they have the main character has a spell for escape like half him cast escape and you have to play the entire level over again but you get to keep all of your experience so playing each level like two or three times it's laborious but by the time you are getting to that like third playthrough of every level you're like getting you're maxing out like experience and so the the fights are are arguably easy because you're just like wrecking folks and i think it's a really fun game go up so many levels above the thing where you can class change because it makes your stats better. I think it's one of the games. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you, as I say, promote yourself immediately when you can, like you're, it's not as good as like waiting a little bit and then doing it. Um, but I love that game. I play it every like two or three years. I remember it. I play through it. It's got uh, some re, re remakes too. Cause there is a, yeah. A GBA version of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want me to run through any more? Because yeah, I have a few. I, I have a few too, but go ahead. Uh, oh, you can go ahead, and I can wait. Um, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to this this will be an oddball, <clears throat> but I put a lot of time into this game, and just the grand scope of it, combined with the property it's tied to, just really put it up there for me. Um, that was. For me, um, it would be a game called Star Wars Rebellion, where you had to, as either the uh, Empire or the Rebellion, you had to manage the entire map with all of the planets you took, building your fleets, managing the resources. And then in order to win uh, as the Rebellion, you had to capture both Vader and the Emperor and take Coruscant. If you were the Empire, you had to capture um, Luke, Leia, and Mon Mothma, and then find and capture the Rebel base because it could move. And, man, just – I spent so much time. Like uh, During COVID and everything, I actually went and got it again and played it again, and I just played the hell out of it. It was a great game. All right, Matt, go ahead. Uh, I'll let me. I'll run through these really quickly. Um, okay. One that's kind of underappreciated, but I feel like it was a really, really good uh, game series that was for the Game Boy Advance. But Golden Sun One and Two, that kind of gets like uh, forgotten. But that was like really, really solid. They did a uh, third one at some point, I think. Did they? Yeah, they did it for huh. DS, I think. Honestly, like I think that. I don't think it's on Twitch as like a port, but I would love it if they had they brought that to Twitch on a port. Um, obviously, like they have its own uh, port as uh, Twitch games for this series, but Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem is a long running series, uh, tactical turn based. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of the only games, Brad, that I can think of that actually has permanent death. Yeah, you can turn that off in the newer ones. Yeah, which is not like that's it's makes it less. Because uh, it kind of turned but... into, um, they kind of, it kind of, they they had had games coming out here since the GBA, and it, it was very niche here until they kind of turned it into like, 
a waifu collector game too. Mm. Mm. I have not had a chance to. I have not had a chance to play through the uh, the Switch games, the new ones, but I did play a ton of the old school uh, 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 Game Boy Advance ones, and I love them. Uh, the so, Awakening on 3DS is must play. Hmm. I never had a 3DS, so. You can get. Uh, they're still expensive, actually, but because the Etrian Odysseys <laughs> on there are, are worth your time too. Hmm. Um, but Fire Emblem, uh, another one that's more of like a strategy game, but it's all, it's like turn-based, uh, Advanced Wars. Yeah. Like they've one and two, I always say like two is better. This mm. is, uh, I love those games. Really, really fun. They have, they haven't remade them, although they are putting out a new version of Advanced Wars for the Switch. Yeah. I but delayed. They, Boo. Yeah, but they they also they put out one that was very very like that called Wargroove. It's basically it's the good. same type it's of game. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's good. I own it. Yeah. Um, so that's a really fun one. In a more modern game that's more action RPG is Kingdom Hearts. I actually really like that series. I like the first game the best because after that it got too confusing. Like, it got too confusing and, and well, it, it, uh, it, I, I mean it's affectionately, but it got too like. Japanese, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I mean that in the sense like they started doing stuff that's more like anime stuff, and it got way confusing. And there's a ton of characters. And you and had I to play like happened. side games, like mobile games. Yeah. Like that's the problem Final oh, Fantasy yeah. 15 had, where someone listed like everything you have to do to get the whole story, and you had to like read books and watch movies and do all the side stuff. And that's like that's something like Square seems to like doing, and I just I'm not down for that. Yeah. Uh, and then one last one, it's one that people kind of don't even remember, I feel, mm-hmm. but I adored this game. I played it a bunch of times back in the day. I wish that they put this out on a port of a new, of one of the more modern systems, including the Switch, but Wild Arms. Did you guys ever play that? Yes. That's like the first, what? um, so... Um, I played it like a lot of people played it, like Final Fantasy VII was coming out, so... I got a PlayStation like in May and I think Final Fantasy is coming out in like September or October and I needed some stuff to tide me over until Final Fantasy came out. So that summer I played Wild Arms and I played Sui Coded 1 um, and Vandal Hearts, which is a turn-based strategy game that's really good. I'm very Shining Force-like actually. But yeah, so I played that because, um, because that had just come out and had a little bit of hype to it and it was an rpg yeah. i could play waiting for um but I, I what i like about it and um two is also very good and three has its place in the world but it's a it's a western rpg which is not like yes um something you see a lot of yes uh although i will admit that in in subsequent playthroughs of the game I did use the for the for original one. I used the trick that basically would break the game, um, but the inventory uh, cheat. Did you uh, did you ever use that one? No. Do you know about what, that one? How's the how's that work? Okay, it was basically like if you, it was essentially a bug that you could exploit, but if you um, basically if you put a certain thing in a certain inventory spot, and then you like use that item 
and then you like switch inventory spots really quickly. Uh, it was some like chicanery that you had to do with that. It wasn't hard, but you had to like do some weird thing with the inventory. It would basically replicate that item, uh, but then give you like 200 of that item. Oh, nice. So and and you could do that. You couldn't do it if you already had 200 of it, but you could basically like keep doing that trick for any item and even items that you'd already done it on again. So, but that was super helpful because let's say you have like a sword that if you sold even like a, a cheap basic sword and then you sell it at the at the in the towns for like you know five gold pieces like that. Well, if you have like 200 of it, yeah, all of a sudden you're like racking up the cash. And if you need something like uh, essentially the equivalent of like a healing spell or a healing potion, like you keep doing that. And it's like it made – it basically broke the game because like in boss fights, you pretty much would never die. Because you can just plug away at the boss and if they start hammering your your hit points away, you could just use like one of your 200 health potions to give yourself like health back. It, it really broke it, but it, it was still – it still made it fun. It's like a really fun game. It looks like shit now, but I mean, it it was a lot of fun back in the day. Well, like yeah, the the graphics were very even at the time they were like PS one, but it was I mean PS one you had like Final Fantasy with like kind of crude by today's standards, but you had like basically like three D sprites, whereas everything with the original Wild Arms was like uh, basically two D animations or two D stuff, it, except for like the boss battles that was three D, like very crude three D, but it it looks bad compared to today's graphics, but it was a super fun game. Yeah. That's all I have for my okay. role-playing games. Um, so, I'll run my honorable mentions down real quick. Uh, I've only got two more. The, the most recent one we've talked about on a previous episode, so I won't go in-depth, but it's the 2018 Hairbrain Schemes Battletech game. <clears throat> because it's you know I like BattleTech. It was a fun game. They did a good job. Um, they got about ninety percent of the tabletop feeling down. Like there are some nits you could pick with it, like melee being too effective. But overall, it feels appropriate to the tabletop game. Yeah, and it's fun. <clears throat> and if you play it really well, then you can you can use about whatever lance of mechs you want to. So that's nice. But um, the uh, the other one I've got, <clears throat> and here I'm going to harken back to the adventure style of game. Uh, something that we haven't had on here, but is a really good choice. Uh, I think, you know, the adventure style, LucasArts did a great job with adventure games. Yep, Sierra too. <clears throat> they were really fun. Sierra, the King's Quest games drove me absolutely nuts because there were... <clears throat> there were some of them that were so the uh, the solutions to the puzzles were so obscure or were so weird that it was just massively frustrating. Yeah. And and for but, people that don't know, because this genre has kind kind of came back with Telltale briefly, but these are point and click adventure games that he's talking yeah. about. But my favorite one, Monkey Island, was really good. Mm. Um, but my favorite one of all time is Full Throttle. Oh, uh, that's not the LucasArts ones. I would uh, Lucas one I would have picked. Well, I love Full Throttle. The game is funny. The game is um, 
you know, none of the none of the puzzles are just maddeningly difficult to figure out. They do make sense, uh, but they're not like excessively oblique about it. So, uh, you know, you've got puzzles like how am I gonna? I've got to fill my gas can to to. It's it's a game about a biker and an automotive company, um, and it's it's more compelling than you you think. But um, now that, the, one's, uh, that one's good, but um, Shad is wrong because the superior LucasArts one is Sam and Max Hit the Road. I do. I, Sam and Max is really good, but I'm going to stick to Full Throttle. Um, the, that's, that's just Full Throttle. I love Full Throttle. Sam and Max kind of hit you hard because like the opening scene is them like um, busting in on some crime and... Um, max beating some guy to death with like a hammer or something <clears throat> uh, max is a special kind of just crazy evil bunny rabbit <laughs> just bonkers but uh yeah full throttle you know you, okay let me put it this way what other game could you have would it make absolute and utter sense in for you to have a box of wind-up bunnies and a minefield to deal with? That is, uh, in that, it, yes, that's, that's, you know, I even have a custom piece of art about that. Um, wind-up bunnies and a minefield. The game is, the game is not just entertaining. The game's funny. It's engaging. Uh, you like the characters, Mark Hamill did like three voices in it, and he does a great job. It's it is just a an all around really good game. And it just got a remaster like five ish years ago, so it's easy yep. to come across. Easy to get. Yeah. Easy to get. Uh well, that wraps my list up. What about you guys? Uh, I'm good. Overall. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's what I've got for tonight. I'm. I'm done. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I actually had quite a few more. Like, just go for it. Uh, so, in the in the survival horror genre, like we talked about, Resident Evil, obviously, and uh, Silent Hill. Um, mm-hmm. Two other ones that I'd love to highlight. Um, one that they did a port of it to the the this the Switch. So I'm wondering if they're actually they would bring the genre back or bring that uh, the franchise back. I would love if they did. Um, Onimusha. Do you guys ever play that one? I did not. I've heard of it. Uh, that is. They did three games. They did. I think they did more. They did like a, a diff, like a fighting game, but um, it's set in like feudal Japan most of the time. Um, the third game was actually like it alternated between like modern day uh, like Europe and uh, Feudal Japan, and it actually starred Jean Renault, the actor, the French actor. Um, it's survival horror where you're basically like a samurai fighting demons, and then you have certain, like, Oni powers, because Onis, in the context of the game, Onis are, like, uh, the the primal enemy of demons. So it's, it's fun, it's interesting, it's pretty cool. Um, and the other one is the Dead Space series. Um, the original Dead Space, to me, is one of the most recent games that had given me like legit gives me anxiety because it has a lot of jump scares and it's like all of a sudden you you think you've gotten everything and all of a sudden like a villain uh, an, an enemy will appear behind you and they're all like grotesque yeah so yeah you had to screw that up with the third one because why wouldn't they well yeah um 
for other hopping over, uh, I guess I just hop over to the first person one. Um, obviously, like a game that I played, and I think I actually changed, besides Halo, kind of changed the landscape, in my opinion, for a multiplayer was Call of Duty 4. Like, I spent hours playing Call of Duty 4 uh, multiplayer with people. And I played that for like months until basically the new the new game came out and people dropped dropped off Call of Duty 4 essentially. Um, the Fear franchise is fun. Um, a personal favorite uh, franchise of mine mm-hmm. is the Kill Zone uh, okay. one. Do you guys ever play that one? I, I have not played the Vita game. Okay. Um, the original one for uh, for PS2 is good, uh, but then they they proceeded to put out Killzone 2 and 3. I think on the PS3, uh, it's a fantastic franchise. It 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 has a lot of interesting stuff. Um, the other the, the, you probably have seen people cosplaying as Hellgast uh, at conventions or something like that. They based they tried really hard to present them as basically like space Nazis, which they aren't quite. They're more like fascist but it's interesting uh and then the last one i'll just mention is um a two game series the first one is ultra creepy and i think everyone should play the second one was not as good um but the first one is really 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 freaky but condemned criminal origins okay you guys play that one i have not i've heard oh, of it you should uh just go online later and just like be googling it and just seeing like some clips from it or something. Uh, you you're basically a cop, but you have to go around investigating uh, people going crazy. And you all, there's like a serial killer you're trying to, to hunt down, but people are slowly going crazy, and you have to try and unravel the mystery of like what it is. And uh, obviously, like things get very convoluted, and I don't feel like they start to make any sort of rational sense, but it's really creepy. And you get thrown in environments where, again, a lot of jump scares. You could be, like, wandering through, like, what is, uh, like, an abandoned basement you think is abandoned. You do this, like, poor lighting, you have to use a flashlight, and all of a sudden, like, a, a deranged hobo will appear out of around the corner and start attacking you. It's pretty intense. Like, but that's okay. a really, really good series. And then the first game is better than the second one. So those are, that's it. I could talk all night long about oh wait i actually wanted to put one wrestling game on there i know we were, <laughs> we were not doing wrestling games but i still adore the fire pro series hmm. fair enough hey, for me the the n64 um thq ukes games or the the hmm. that's the aki thq that's what i was going to say you could just pick any one of those and i would be happy um but and the only other thing i would put near that would probably be the uh uh Smackdown, here comes the pain. Because honestly, they controlled similarly, but you know, I don't, I don't have to. That that's a whole, whole other thing we'll dive into sometime. All right. Well, I I think that wraps us up, doesn't it, guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last thing that I'll do before we go out. Uh, looks like the latest news for AEW Fight Forever, uh, current roster size sits around 50, um, and they're going to include it in the game, uh, Sting is going to, Owen Hart is going to have an appearance in it, 
So uh, that's you know some good stuff to learn. So did, everybody did out, that, did that information just come out? Uh, it just got posted about four hours ago. So from Fightful. So um, hmm. <clears throat> there's the apparently Kenny Omega's been working with him a lot. So I imagine they'll probably do like DLC, right? From what I had heard from Omega, it wasn't so much DLC as updates you could download. So you weren't having to buy it, but you could just, you know, you could get new people to add to your roster. Um, I can't remember what that model's called, but, you know, it, it keeps the game fresh and that sort of stuff. Uh, some games don't do this, and they may not do it over here, but I do feel that you're going to need, like, a creator wrestler type of. Oh, absolutely. Uh, system. Even if it's a limited one. I actually, I mean, I feel like you should have at least as many creator wrestler spots as, like, if you're only having a 50-person roster. Well, like it's I 50 feel, so far. Yeah. I feel so. like you should definitely have, like, a 50 creator wrestler spots or something. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, all of that out there, we would love to hear from you guys on social media that are out there listening, you know, did you agree with our picks? What did we miss? Please hit us up and let us know. And so, all that being said, this is Chad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.